All right. Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. Happy, beautiful, sunny, wonderful Sunday morning. I want to thank you guys for being here. For those of you who are joining us online, I want to thank you for tuning in. You guys can worship with us too. For those of you in the auditorium, would you please stand? You guys are already doing that. Good job. Uh, bring your neighbor. Say hello. Say good morning. Say happy Sunday. Get ready to worship with us. Go.
Worship His holy name. 
Amen, amen. You can have a seat. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good to be with you. And uh, those who are hanging out with us online, welcome. Listen, if there is, uh, if there are any guests in the house this morning, please grab one of these Connect cards and fill it out. Bring it to the Welcome Center. We have a gift to give you by just saying thank you for being here. Um, and listen, if you have something that we can, can connect with you about, please fill us out or just stop by the Welcome Center. And we would love to connect with you about, really, if there's anything we can help you on. You know, if there's a prayer request, please fill it out. And, and if you would like us to follow up with you, just put that on there and we'll follow up with you. But listen, church, we want to connect with you. And just you, this is one way uh, you can connect with us. But the Welcome Center is a great place to start if you have any questions. Uh, even about things that I mentioned from, you know, announcement-wise, you can stop by the Welcome Center. Uh, we just started our car cruise. Uh, this last week, and it was uh, it was awesome. You know what I mean? It's from 5 to 9 every Tuesdays. There's all kinds of great food happening in the gym. There's great cars. And it's a really neat community that's been developing uh, and just seeing people come up and connect and get great great food. And, and, and people are getting connected with God. Believe me, it's happening. Um, I'm hearing stories from Al, and, you know, it just it's, it's really powerful. It's so much bigger than just a car cruise, but it starts at the car cruise. So every Tuesday, 5 to 9, come on out, hang out in the parking lot with us. Um, and then on June uh, 17th, we're having our first summer movie night. We're showing the movie Encanto. And uh, it's a, uh, a family movie, and so you can uh, sign up for free on our website. And it's going to be down on the field. Last year it was on the parking lot. It's going to be down on the field, so bring a camp chair or a blanket. And uh, there'll be some concessions down there as well. But you can uh, let us know you're coming so you can get your free ticket on the front page of our website uh, for this first uh, movie night on June 17th. And then July 11th through the 15th is our mega sports camp happening. And in your bulletins, a handout, you can sign up to be a part of that team and serve. And uh, where you're sitting right now, this whole auditorium is going to be full of kids, four years old all the way through sixth grade. And, in that, and, the, and so be praying. Because uh, God's going to reach these young kids, and, and we're just going to, as a church, we're going to lock arms, and we're going we're gonna to really take this, this community by storm with our mega sports camp. So there's also a table in the lobby. Stop by and connect with them if you have any questions. But that's coming up on July 11th through the 15th. Um, at this time, I'm going to ask Lupe to come on up. Uh, Lupe uh, McElvenny. So can we welcome Lupe? Lupe, we will. We love you. And then our deacon, Dan McNeese, uh, asks you to join you on stage. Come on up, Dan. And Lupe is going to Honduras with a group called Teen Missions, and she's going to be there. You can see more information in your bulletin. She's going to be there from June 11th through the July 29th. And so she's going to be serving, and, and uh, she just told me before the last service that, uh, you remember a couple weeks ago we talked about that she was still a little, almost there to her fully, uh, to be fully funded. She said that she raised way above that. Cool. Isn't that awesome? So, Lupe, we love you, and Dan's going to pray for you and send you off. Dear Heavenly Father, thanks for uh, Lupe. Uh, thanks for her uh, desire and willingness to serve you, God. Um, I pray that you would just uh, work through her uh, in a big way. Um, God, this is uh, a great, uh, great opportunity and, and great uh, venture that she's going on, God. This will... Um, kind of rewire her thinking a little bit as uh, missions trips do when you uh, see those that are less fortunate and are in uh, big need of uh, of so many things. Um, the biggest need, though, God, for all of us is uh, a relationship with you. And I uh, pray that's what would come of this trip, God. 
that people would uh, would come to you and uh, that those uh, going uh, to serve uh, Lupe included God, uh, that she would draw closer to you. And um, we're just down here for a short period of time, God. Then we're with you in heaven forever. And I uh, pray that we would um, live our lives that way and uh, always remember to put you first. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, would you stand as we continue in worship?
So we've been uh, wrapping up this series on being transformed. What does it mean to be transformed by Jesus? And we've been talking about the internal transformation that happens when we begin that relationship with Jesus. He changes us from the inside. And then today we're talking about the out. So what do we do? We've been transformed. Now what? You know, what do we what do we do? What are we supposed to do now that we've been transformed? What message do we have? And so uh, I get the privilege of wrapping up this series. Uh, Pastor Ken and Rhonda are away, and um, they uh, asked me to speak this weekend, so I'm, I'm glad to be here with you all. Um, you know, as I think about this, uh, this topic, or the, the passage we're talking about today, the woman at the well, it, it reminds me of growing up in, you know, growing up in the Midwest. I grew up in a, a small town called Villa Park, Illinois, and uh, there were two things that described summer in the Midwest, and that was uh, sunscreen and being outside playing. And I remember one day I was outside sweating out the uh, 100 SPF that my mom put on me. I don't think that thing's legal anymore. But I was outside, you know, playing, and I run inside. And does anybody have one of those Culligan machines in your house? Like, you know, we had those. And it was in the, you know, corner of the kitchen. And I come inside, and I come to get a drink of water, and I take my cup, and I put it underneath. And it was my cup. Special cup? Anybody have a special cup? I had a cup I put underneath, and I filled all the way to the top, and I take a big swig. You know, at that point, um, I don't think I was a very dramatic child, but this is kind of when drama entered my life, because at this point, I ran into the yard screaming I'd been poisoned because I found out my mom had cleaned it out with vinegar. So there was, uh, you know, however big the bottle was, was filled with about half of it was vinegar. Uh, it's not water. Tastes very different. And so I ran into the yard screaming, and listen, at this point, our neighbors already thought we were nuts, and so this really just made it much worse. You know, we had the, um, we had the neighbors that, you know, we had a very good relationship. In fact, truth be told, that until they moved, we were really close friends. But for a while, as we were growing up, we didn't really know our neighbors, and so they were kind of looking over their fence and just shaking their head a lot, but we, you know, we kept doing what we were doing. But it's interesting because the story reminds me so much of our culture and our world today. We think we know where we're going for this refreshment, but the truth is it's quite the opposite. It's something that not only tastes disgusting, but it's never going to satisfy our thirst. And I think about the only way that we're going to satisfy that thirst is Jesus. It's, a, it's, a, it's going to satisfy your soul in ways that you will never be able to explain. And so this morning we're talking about this life change, this living water that Jesus has to offer us. And when, he, when we taste this living water, when we begin that relationship with Jesus Christ, it, it changes us from the inside out completely. It transforms us. The whole point of this series is talking about transformation. And so life, tra- life transformation is only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So today, as we wrap up, we're going to talk about the woman at the well. And I want us to look at this woman not like this random person, but I want you to see yourself in this woman. I want you to see yourself in her situation because all of us are exactly just like this woman. At one point, we were completely lost in need of true living water. So let's let God's word speak to us this morning as we open up John 4. So John 4, uh, this is uh, Jesus is kind of we just in the chapter before, his, you know, interaction with Nicodemus. And now he he's getting to the point where his ministry on earth is really starting to gain popularity and people are really beginning to talk about Jesus, and his prominence was really gaining. So Jesus was, was going, you know what? It wasn't quite the time to confront and 
have a confrontation with the religious establishment. So he goes to get some rest in Galilee. But as Jesus goes to Galilee, you think about, you, you know, if you get in the car and you punch in your GPS, it tells you where to go for most of us, right? Um, and maybe that might be home. I don't know. Listen, everybody does their thing. Um, but Jesus plots out his route, and typically, because of all the cultural issues that were going on between Jews and Samaritans, Jews avoided going through Samaria. In fact, unless you were like crazy, would you, as a Jew, go through Samaria because the Jews despise the Samaritans, and Jesus has to go. And so here, right in verse 1, it says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them. His disciples did. Verse 3, so he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had, he had to go through Samaria on the way. I want you to just, remember, just take a picture of that verse 4. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, being tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. So it's hot. It's a desert area. It's a desert region. It's very hot in the middle of the day. You know, if you do most things outside in the middle of the day, it, it's hot. You, you, you're like, why did I choose to do this, right? So there's a reason why Jesus goes at noontime in the middle of the day. Some of you love the middle of the day, and man, God bless you. I personally am, I, I'm like not allowed outside in the middle of the day when it's hot and, and it's sunny outside because I end up looking like a lobster. But anyway, I, I you know, she's at the, you know, this Jesus is sitting at the well and and then we all of a sudden see a woman show up. So before that, you know, just talk about the cultural issues. So Jews looked at Samaritans and said, you know what, you've actually taken your faith based off the law of Moses and you've piecemealed it, right? You've kind of connected all these different random traditions and practices along with a little bit of the law of Moses and kind of made this Samaritan faith. And so the Jews looked at them and said they, they despised them. That's why the Jews didn't want to go through Samaria. But Jesus says, I have to go. He had to go through Samaria because they needed him. And so the Jesus, Jesus' intentionality is so incredible here. Can you pull up that map? So as we look at the map, as we look at how Jesus went, it's, it's it, you know, he, he went directly north to Sychar, right? Where Jews that didn't want to go through Samaria had to make this big, long loop around to get to where they had to go to avoid Samaria. So you really you really had to inconvenience yourself to get around this because the inconvenience of going through Samaria was much worse. And I think about, man, we don't like to be inconvenienced, do we? Does anybody love to be inconvenienced? You're not even going to think about raising your hand. Or being uncomfortable. So the other day on Friday, I'm driving. On a, I'm not, I, I tried to like make this. <laughs> people found me, and they're like, oh, I know exactly where this is. Can we pull this picture? Uh, th- so um, it says, Mo, please. I'm driving on Friday, and I see this grass. I'm like, man, this is high. And right at the point where, this, where, where you kind of come to an intersection, we'll say, uh, there is a, it's really hard to see the oncoming traffic, right? And I'm like, somebody should mow this. So I'm coming home last night from Saturday night service, and I'm like, this is phenomenal. Somebody beat me. I have my sign already sharpied up. In my, no, I'm just kidding. You know what I mean? But they put this sign up because no one likes to be inconvenienced. We don't like to be uncomfortable. It's just not how we're made. Like, we just, we avoid those things. But what happens when we're uncomfortable is something changes in us. It, it grows us. Inco- being inconvenient sometimes changes our 
routes. It changes our path. It changes our growth. And so Jesus has to go, and his intentionality is so powerful here. And think about every time you read and you look at how Jesus did ministry, look at how he talked to people. Look at how he listened. Read about how he did ministry. Jesus didn't just react. Jesus didn't just go with the flow. Everything he did had intentionality. You know, we we were we uh, participated in the Run for Alex uh, in our our community on Saturday. It was a phenomenal day, and um, you know we finished our fun run, which later I found out my kids said, "Dad, that wasn't fun," and I. So we're working on that, but you know it was a it was a great turnout, and it's a benefit, a wonderful cause, and I love just being able to be in the community and be able to be with people, and it was just it was a beautiful day, and. But when we were leaving, you know, we had to park up by the high school uh, at Bentworth. And then as people were, um, the race started, they closed up all the roads, which is natural because there are runners. So anyway, when we're getting up to the school, we were done first because we were the fun walk. And uh, we get up to the school and uh, they had not shut off uh, or opened up the roads. So people had to wait. And I heard people complaining, oh, I, got, I got things to do. Like no one wants to be inconvenienced. So the way that we see Jesus do ministry, it already rubs us wrong. You're like, I don't want to go talk to that worker or coworker at church or at, at my office. I don't want to go talk to that person that's really difficult. We don't like to be inconvenienced, yet Jesus goes into a place that's inconvenient. So uh, in verse 7, let's pick it up. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman surprised for she was surprised because Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. So she's like, you're, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would have asked me, and I would have given you living water. She's got to be confused at this point because here's where she goes. She says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. If you know a well, you can't. You, you know, it doesn't, I don't know, like watching my kids try to store things when they fold their shirts up, it's like trick-or-treating. They got their, you know, they got their pillowcase, and then they fold their shirt up, and, you know, they put in their, my six-year-old's like shoving it in his pockets. Like, they'll find places to put things, and I'm thinking, this woman's going, you have no shovel, so unless you plan on, you, wait, how can you dig another well? You don't have a bucket to get the water out. Where are you going to, where are you going to? it you know so she says you don't have a rope or a bucket she said and this well is very deep where would you get this living water and besides do you think you're greater than our ancestor jacob who gave us this well how how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals have enjoyed it's almost like she's saying if it's not broke why are you trying to fix this like what is it that's so much better than this well that's right here it's wet water is your water different she's confused so jesus is sitting there by the heat of the day this woman interacts with him. It, it all, I mean, we're just seeing just Jesus continues to weed through just the cultural taboos. One, Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. Second, men didn't talk to women. It was, these were culturally taboo at the time, and Jesus disregards both. And I love just the power here is because we start to see that this woman, she doesn't really understand that this is Jesus. Like, she doesn't understand that this Jewish man in the heat of the day is Jesus. She doesn't understand. You know, she, she's, she's focused on something so, la- she's laser focused on something so small, and she totally misses. And I think, man, isn't that us? 
I am so focused on this thing that I miss out on the bigger picture. I mean, it's, it's easy. You know what I mean? Like I'm sitting there trying to fix, you know, part of my lawnmower and I'm literally looking up and there's like one little pin that needs to go in and I'm like spending all this time. I'm cleaning it. I'm taking it apart. And it's like, you know, there it works. You know what I mean? Like we totally miss out. And this woman is just totally missing it. And I think it's so easy for us when we get so laser focused on stuff and we forget the bigger picture. We don't see the bigger picture. And I think if we were just left by ourselves thinking that we're oh, okay, and we would leave this earth, we would spend eternity in separation from God. But Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, and rose again three days later so that we would have eternal life with him. Jesus came and met this woman and changed her life. And he eliminated her ignorance about himself and about this way of salvation. And I think it's so easy for us, church, far too many people, we live in that ignorance today, don't we? When it comes to how to get to God, if this is us and then this is God and there's a big, huge, cavernous, like, you know, opening between us and God and we have to get to God, it's so crazy all the things that we try to man-make to get to God, isn't it? Like so many things and we don't even realize it. Sometimes we're even crazy where we say, okay, I believe in Jesus, and then years later, I'm still trying to work to get to God. You know, it's just, it's, it's, we, we do this all the time. We, we, we miss it. We completely miss it. And so here's the main thing. Here's the main thing that we can't miss. Acts 16.31 says this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. This is the main thing, Crossroads. This is the main thing. If we miss this, we've missed everything. It is belief in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. And how do you receive this gift? It is free. It is a free gift, not based on how good you are, not based on how many things you did or how many things you can recite or how many times you memorize the Bible. It's based on receiving a gift. It is by faith that we believe. And so I think many will leave this earth and miss Jesus completely. You know, they learn how to go to church. They learn how to go to Sunday school. They learn how to tithe. They learn how to buy certain types of Bibles. They learn how to turn over a new leaf and live a good, new, good life. We've learned many things, but we never learned the, tr- the truth that salvation comes only through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We never learned that Jesus is the only way for salvation. As Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace it is through faith. By grace through faith that we are saved. You know, it's not by our works, right? So we can't boast in it. We can't boast in anything other than the Lord. So now she's really getting curious. She's like, how can you offer this better water? And Jesus brings it down onto her level because he talks about living water. If we can pull up this picture of a, of a bubbling spring. Um, I have these things in my backyard that we uncovered as we dug way much of my backyard. It looks like a bomb went off. And um, we've discovered we have wet springs. And if you've watched a bubbling spring, it looks like it's alive. And so when Jesus says the words living water, what he's saying is he's, tr- he's connecting with something that she knows. She's, she's heard about these springs, and she's heard about this living water. And so that's why she's so intrigued, because she's like, we're sitting here by a well, yet you're talking about water. That I, like, if it's not from here, where is it? So she is so confused and intrigued by that. And Jesus says, in fact, this spring will bubble up inside of you and grow, and it's going to change your life. And so she's really intrigued here. You know, and isn't it easy and, and isn't it so common for us to satisfy the God hole, the God hole we have in our lives. We try to satisfy it with everything but Jesus. It's like us going to the cooler, sticking our cup in, getting a nice big old cup of vinegar. <laughs> That's not going to satisfy you. More money, 
better relationships. I mean, we say this over and over and over, but it's so true because we've got the message of Jesus that life changes is possible through Christ, and yet we go to everything but him. People are thirsty, aren't we? We want, we long, we reach, we desire. But only Jesus, only Jesus gives what Jesus gives is going to satisfy the deepest levels of our soul. And I love how drinking, you know, although I say drinking is simple, but if you've ever watched like younger kids try to drink, it's the, it's awesome. It's like half of it gets in your mouth, half of it's on your shirt. And it's always like, why is it always got to be red liquid? You know what I mean? But I'm watching it and I'm like, it's like watching it in slow motion. It's like, I, I'm, I don't know. Is there just mist? I don't know. It's like everywhere. It's all over. And I think. Drinking is simple, and that's how we receive faith. You, you take a sip of water, it's, you receive this gift. In fact, drinking is actually more simple than eating. And I think I've had conversations with people before, and they've said, Luke, I've, I've tried this Jesus. I've drank from this water before, and I feel thirsty and empty again. Well, can I encourage you and challenge you on this, church? It's not just one sip. It's an ongoing connection with the well. If you think about it, if I take a sip of water... How much longer am I going to be thirsty? Not too long after. But if I continue to drink from Jesus, my soul and my life is going to be satisfied. But I've got to keep going back to that well and not any other well. Because sometimes you drink from other wells other than Jesus. They, not only do they not satisfy you, but sometimes they dry up. They disappear. You're like, well, I thought this was going to satisfy me. It did for a little while. Only the well, only the living water that Jesus offers. In, uh, in chapter 4, John, and verse 15, let's continue on. So she says, please, sir, this, give me this water, and then I'll never be thirsty again. And then I won't have to come here to get water. You've got to think about it. She's, she is just, this, why, do, why would you go get water in the heat of the day, noontime, as Scripture tells us? There is a reason. This woman has a past. She has a history. She has sin in her life. She is shunned by her villagers, the community, which isn't even in community. These are just people that she knows that she, they, they've outcasted her. She goes in the middle of the day to avoid people, to avoid being made fun of, to avoid being the talk of the town. She's done. I'm going to go out when no one else is there. Because when people would go out to the well, it was a social gathering. They would connect. They would talk. They would hang out. They would get their water and they go home. She goes, I'm going out when it's the hottest part of the day because I just can't deal with that. I got so much in my life, I can't deal with that. So she hears about water that she doesn't have to keep going back to the well. She's going, I'll take it. Like I'll never forget when we, f- we first discovered Instacart. <clears throat> you know, I think we thought our lives were changed. Um, you know, I, I never have to take kids into a grocery store ever again and, you know, pay 15 to 20 percent more than what I originally thought I would because other things appeared in the cart and then you'd get to check out and you start putting things on the cart and you go where or in the you know on the little thing and you're like where did this come from my kids are great at that in fact my kids are getting to be like pro quarterbacks they're in the end of the aisle and they're chucking stuff in the cart and I'm going how how did did, one how did you get that far good arm You know, second of all, how did that not break? You know what I mean? And, and I'm sitting there going, you know, when, when we have the opportunity to make something convenient in our lives, we do it. And she says, I want this water. Please give it to me. And typically, for, for like the cultural reasons, when men would talk to a woman, her husband was typically there. So Jesus says in verse 16, go and get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. The woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. 
For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Imagine her demeanor changes. She's been already confused, but leaning into this water idea. And then Jesus opens up this in her life. And you think about it. When we open up that book of our lives, that's hard sometimes. We have to uncover things that are deep, wounds that are hard to deal with. And we deal with those in the open, and it's very difficult. It's painful to think that this is where this woman is at. But she's, she's, something's happening in her life, and she can't quite understand it. And so this response of this woman is so logical, but it's not spiritual. She's like, I want this water, but she wants to avoid coming to the well every day. So, so, you know, when Jesus begins to ask her about her husband, he's trying to see, does she love her sin more or me? And I think when we come before the Lord and we, we, you know, or maybe with some other person who's talking to us about God, it's hard to open up, isn't it? It's hard to talk about the pain or the past that we have. And I think many turn away from God for this reason because they're too, they feel they're too far gone. They're too embarrassed, too ignorant. I just can't do it. So the woman embarrassed, opening up her life, talking to Jesus, which she doesn't know who it is yet. Don't forget. And then in verse 19, she says, kind of change the subject a little bit she says sir the woman said you must be a prophet so she doesn't know this is jesus she doesn't know like what's 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 his deal like how does he know these things she's really confused and she says you must be a prophet so tell me why is it that you jews insist that jerusalem is the only place of worship while we samaritans claim it is here at mount gezerim where our ancestors worshiped Jesus doesn't take, doesn't take that route. He doesn't go down the route because I think so many times, it's, it's, church, isn't it so easy that in a situation where somebody starts to change a subject or maybe say something that we don't agree with, what do we try to do? We are, it's so easy to win, to try to win the argument when in reality God wants us to win the person. So Jesus replies, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. She's so surprised, she's puzzled, she's just you know, I can't imagine, like, if I'm watching this from afar and watching it happen, she's, she's looking at him like she, he's got three heads. He's, she's confused. But she keeps leaning in, and she seems to try to change the subject. She talks about places of worship, which isn't that so easy for us to pick one thing that has nothing to do really with salvation, and we, like, drill it down and drill it down and drill it down, and then we go, oh, I won the argument, but I lost the person. It's so easy for us to do that. And so a great challenge for us in looking at how Jesus did ministry is we go, am I trying? Ask yourself this question when you're talking to somebody that feels very differently than you. Am I trying to win this person or am I trying to win the argument? The Samaritans believe that Moses commissioned an altar on Mount Gezerim, the mountain of blessing. This was their justification, how they created their system of worship, and they combined other practices and, and traditions as well. But like all faiths that try to combine different religions, They don't know who they are worshiping, as Jesus says. 
They worship what they do not know. Jesus then points to the truth of worship, and he says, listen, you don't have to go into the temple. You don't have to go onto the special mountain to worship. You can worship God anywhere. Church, God is with us. He is God, Emmanuel. He is God with us. We don't have to go to the temple. We don't have to show up on Sundays, on Wednesdays only to worship God. We can worship God every single minute of every single day. We thank God that he is present, that he is with us, that we can worship him always. And then she starts to dig in. Have you ever been across the table from somebody? You start to lean back because you're not really in the conversation. But then you maybe strike a chord or that person says something that interests you. What happens? You lean in. Listen, when you do like interpersonal communication in school, I know it's like awkward because they made us stare at each other for like 15 minutes. 15 minutes and we had to have a conversation. It was by far one of the most awkward things I've ever done. You know, you're, you're fighting this, and you have to look at somebody and have a conversation with them. If you watch somebody lean in, it means they're not just buying in, but they're starting to go, I'm listening. They're kind of leaning in. You watch when you have a conversation with somebody, it naturally you lean in, and you're starting to dig in. This woman is leaning in. She's, she's really intrigued. Verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. This woman knew of Jesus. She knew of the Messiah. And she knew, like the scripture says, he will explain everything to us. But what's the everything? What's he explaining? She knew something. She knew about this Jesus, but she didn't quite know what he was doing. But when he comes, he'll explain everything. And then Jesus just drops the mic. Jesus says, I am the Messiah. You know, I think about this point, if I'm, again, if we're visualizing, we're watching this woman interact with Jesus at the well. I'm a visual person, so I'm reading scripture, and I have to, like, visualize it in my head. I think of the woman is at the well, it's hot, and then here come, like, you know, not really understanding what's happening. Here come the disciples, like Goof and Gooferson. They come walking up to the well, right? In fact, there was even a commentary, as I was studying for this, there was even a commentary that said that The disciples probably even passed the woman as they were leaving the well to go in town to buy food. They probably passed her going to the well and probably threw her, you know, probably threw some some shade. (laughs) They probably threw some dirty looks to her way, maybe even made a comment. And so they're coming back and it says in verse 27, it says, They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? She just heard about this Jesus. She just realized this man who's talking about living water is now Jesus. The disciples show up completely over their heads. They're like, why is he talking? They're they're mumbling under their breath. They're thinking, "Why why is he talking to a woman? What does she do? What does she do once she's heard about Jesus? It says in verse 28, the woman left her water jar by the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. What did she do? She left the thing that she came out to do, and she left it. She left the water jar and went to the village of the very people that shunned her, that considered her an outcast. She went back to tell them. And she says this in verse 29. She says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? In verse 30, so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. I can imagine Jesus, why are we talking about food right now? You got this woman who came to me. I'm I'm interacting with her, and and she's hearing about this living water, and they're going, did she eat? (laughs) You ever had somebody that comes in on a conversation, and you're like, you're missing it, you're missing it, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're just like, did he eat? And 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 then they even go a step further. 
In verse 33, they're like, did somebody bring him food while we were gone? It's like, Jesus is like, enough about the food. You know what I mean? His disciples, they were asking each other, did, you, did somebody bring him food? Like, did he, did he like, you know, um, did he make a fire and, and eat that scorpion? Because it's a desert. I don't know. Like, they're so concerned about the food. Again, laser focus, missing out on what's happening. 34, in verse 34, Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Behind our house, the hay is ready. And I know many of you live in towns and cities and communities where the hay is going to, they're going to start to cut the hay. And I want you to, as you look at that hay get high, I want you to think about those are people in your cities, in your communities, coworkers, families that are ready to hear Jesus. They're hungry for Jesus. When you see that, the farmers come by and they cut the hay and they bale it and they put it all in the shrink wrap, all that, I want you to think, man, those, like there are people ready and hungry for Jesus. In verse 36, the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. And he says, what joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. This woman leaves the jar. Jesus has revealed himself to this woman, a sinner. She is so impressed by the love of Jesus that she now sought out the very people that shunned her. And even when they treated her like an outcast, she went right back. You know what's so cool? Jesus said, I have to go to Samaria. And the woman said, I have to go back to my town. Do you see the connection? That's what happens to a life transformed by Jesus. The very people that shunned her, that pushed her out, that she went to get water in the middle of the day when it was most hottest to avoid all these people, she now goes back and interacts with those people. People are like, what? You ever, you ever seen somebody that's like, you've changed, you're different. And sometimes it's for the bad. But in this situation, they're going, she's different. I remember I had an opportunity to go on a mission trip, just like Lupe. Um, I went to Daytona Beach, and you're thinking, that was a mission trip? Um, we literally grilled ham hamburgers and hot dogs on the beach and shared the gospel. It was one of the most stretching trips I've ever been on because there was very little structure. We started in, in the morning. We started grilling, and people came up to the tent because it's free food. And they just started talking to us. And I remember one of the guys pulled me aside, and he said, listen, I don't know what's happening here, but something, something's different. You guys are different. And I, I'll never forget that. He, he, he's just like, something's, I think it bothered him. He's like, something's different. And I think about, can you imagine the people that when that woman came back, instead of, oh, wonder what she's back to do. Oh, who's she talking to? They go, something's different. Something's different about this woman. In verse 39, it says that after, so when she was sharing about this man who told her everything that she's done, he, he, she says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay there in the village. So Jesus stayed there for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Um, Paul says in the New Testament, follow me as I follow Christ. And I think so many of us are so afraid of rejection when it comes to sharing our faith. It makes us uneasy. It's inconvenient. And, after, and before you're like, well, I have to have all my, 
I have to have all my words memorized and have all the verses. We've got to know our stuff, people, absolutely. But what's so powerful here is Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And the, the point of that is he's saying, follow me. I'm going to lead us to Jesus. But then after a while, I'm going to get out of the way so that you see Jesus. Because watch what the people say here. We believed. Look, look in verse 42. Now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. When people taste that living water, that's, that's from Jesus. We just got to do our best to try to get people there, to try to bring the message, to try to plant those seeds. And I think about the woman, the whole interaction with the, between this woman and Jesus, she could have, she, you know, you, you think, oh, if I bare my soul or if I open up and I, and I, I want to follow Jesus, but I got all this past, I got all this sin, I got all this stuff in my life, I'm going to feel rejected. She didn't think, man, Jesus hates me. He judges me or doesn't want me. It left her with quite the opposite. She tasted and saw that that was Jesus. And we see the power of God at work here. For the villagers that once outcasted and shunned this woman, she literally goes back to that place. The people believed because they heard for themselves. The woman planted the seed, but God grew it. Here are a few lessons as we wrap up. One, when we meet Jesus and we're transformed by his love, it's not just something we keep to ourselves. Listen, church, we're forever changed. Matthew 5:14 says that we are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You've got a message. Don't hide it. You've got to go. Church, you, you have this message. We have this message of hope. And, 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 and I encourage you, do what Jesus did. He doesn't start off and just say, are you a sinner? He comes out and he starts to really unpack. He starts to have a conversation with this woman. You know, my neighbor and I, we started talking about motorcycles. I know nothing about motorcycles, like nothing. In fact, I'm like, oh, like, is that a Schwinn? You know, don't ever say that. But you know what I mean? Like, he, I started having this conversation, and, and here opens up more conversation. And he told me, he said, you know, I'll never forget this. And these two people, they just mean the world to me. Um, he said, you know, before you came over and said hi, nobody in that house that moved, that was in there before you ever said hi. In fact, we refer to them as Jim and Mary Newhouse. He said, but now we know it's Luke and Jesse and kids. Uh, that, they're very special to me. I don't know anything about motorcycles. <laughs> don't ever call someone with a motorcycle. Ask them if they have a Schwinn. Don't say that. Um, but listen, you got you can't you got to open up conversations. A city on a hill can't be hidden. Here's the second thing, guys. We, Jesus is here. He is here with us. He is God Emmanuel. He is here with us right now. We can interact with Jesus now. We don't have to wait to enter His presence. We don't have to wait to taste how truly good He is. We have it now. This is truth and freedom. Here's the third thing. Jesus has transformed us, and we have been transformed to tell. The woman's life was transformed, and she left the water pot, and she left. How about you? Have you believed yet? Are you having a divine moment right now with God? Today is a day of salvation. Don't let another day go by without knowing Jesus. You know, I think about, when I think about my own sin and how it interrupts my relationship with God, and think about before Jesus, I was cut off between God because of my sin, but then Jesus didn't leave it there. Romans 3.22 says, We are made right by God. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. 
Romans 8, 1 through 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, and because you belong to him, the power of this life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now we have the spring in us that's growing and growing and growing. And I thank God that he, that, that, that he came to Villa Park, Illinois, because he said, I have to go there. Think about where you are at. Jesus said, I have to go there. I thank God for that. I thank God that my mom pulled me aside and she told me about Jesus. You know, God rest her soul, but there is a spiritual legacy because of what my mom did. She was a life transformed by Jesus, told me about this Jesus. And now my life has been transformed and my wife and my kids. And we're going to keep sharing this message because of we've been changed and we've got to go. We've got to tell. So here's my, here's my challenge. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? You know, how, how, did this woman, how did this woman act after she was transformed? It says she went back to the place that she didn't want to go. And now she's going into her Samaria. She's going into the place that she didn't want to go. And she goes singing, telling other people about Jesus. That's what happens when a life is transformed. We go and we tell. Her transformation led to a brand new purpose. She was now going to draw from the living water and share the living water. And many Samaritans believe because of her testimony. And I can't wait to hear about how you share your testimony. And I'm going to hear from other people saying, you know what? I heard about this Jesus because so-and-so shared their story and how they've been changed. And I just go, man, they're different. Do you see the connection? Man, they're different. Start that conversation. You know what? And you're like, I don't know somebody. You draw that circle around all the people that you interact with, whether it's from, from work, you know, from sports. Listen, I'm sitting there like flabbergasted as I'm getting into my truck the other day. And I'm like... I just interacted with so many people. You know, I help coach baseball, and I'm interacting with people. And I'm like, what did they see? <laughs> did they see a Luke that loves Jesus? And I'm not saying I have to run around with a bullhorn and start yelling at people, but am I being kind? Am I loving these kids? You know, there's a couple of families on our team. They have a lot going on. And one day I just walked up to the dad, and I just said, listen, I don't know if you guys are praying people, but I've been praying for you. Guys, I'm telling you, God is going to save this family. Because these fa- this family is like, somebody cares, and that's where it starts. This lady was transformed into a joyous person. She went back into the place that she didn't want to go, telling other people about the water that wasn't from the well. So if you've had that divine appointment today, have you realized what you've been transformed to do? You have a purpose. You have, a, you, you have been transformed to go and to tell, and it's not about you anymore. It's about him. You get to tell his story. Are you ready to be transformed by Jesus today? And if you've been transformed by Jesus, you have the challenge and the new purpose to go and tell. Because that's, listen, that's the best way to spend the rest of your life, isn't it? We've got this message. Don't hold it. A city on a hill, we can't hide it. We've got to tell. Close with me. Father, thank you so much for your word. Um, because, listen, I got, I got nothing. Lord, I thank you for this woman who we identify with this woman because, Lord, at one point we were lost in isolation because of our sin and we just needed a relationship with you, Lord. I pray that if there's somebody here this morning online or here in the building, God, and they're just like, I, I'm this woman. I'm lost. I feel isolated. I've got so much in my past and I need to just deal with it. I need, I need changed. I need purpose. I need meaning. I need healing. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning just encourage their hearts. 
And if you're here this morning and you haven't made that first step to follow Jesus, it's so simple. You, you acknowledge between you and God, you say something like this, Lord, I know that I am a sinner. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Three days later, you rose again. And Lord, I want to be transformed. Now that I believe, as your word says, I am saved because it is not by something I could earn, but it's because of grace. And Lord, I believe, I believe in you. And I want to give my life to follow you now and forevermore. Lord, for those in this building, Lord, online who have trusted you, give us supernatural boldness to go and tell. And I pray that we would walk out of here ready to go and tell, ready to pray for that one person that we can interact with. Lord, we love you. Be with your people as we respond, as we leave, as we carry on all the things that we have, Lord, that we would look at people and say the harvest is ripe. It's ready. It's time. We got to go. We got to tell. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Church, would you stand as we uh, close this morning? Have a wonderful week, everyone. Please go in peace. You are dismissed.
Chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my heart.